Hello and welcome to Secondhand Film Critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-educated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I'm Noah, and I am here with... Kayla! Today is the day after the 4th of July, so we are full of food... We've eaten lots. I mean, I ate a lot of food yesterday. <laughs> I was going to say, I just ate normal meals. <laughs> no, I ate too There was just so, well, I don't know. There were so many chips, and I love chips so much. So I was like, you know, and you're just sitting at the beach, and you're just, so it's like, oh, I'll just go and grab a chip. And What's your favorite uh, kind of potato chip? Salt and vinegar chips are my favorite. Uh, see, I can't have those because they, like, destroy my tongue. They do. They destroy my tongue too, but I I suffer through the pain for the for the glorious taste. But we're not here to rank potato chips. We're, we're here to rank animated, animated movies. Woo! Our top ten animated. We films. We love a good animated film. Right. We did our uh, top ten films, just like regular films. I mean, not to say animated films aren't regular films, but you know what I mean. Like, just top 10 of all time is a better way to put it, because we did have animated films on that list. Yeah, we but did this one is this one is specifically animated films, so all no live action. Animated. No live action. And none you know, of that Lion King, you no, know, You know, if it was if it was a pseudo, if pseudo was allowed in here, Hop from 2011 would definitely be my number one. Oh but my that God. has live <laughs> No, that's not Alvin true. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Alvin uh, and the Chipmunks 3, Chipwrecked. <laughs> no, this is completely animated, but it could be any like 2D, 3D, like kind of a combination. Motion, got it Just all. Any type of animation, our top 10s. So we'll do kind of like um, most list countdowns we do on this show. We'll go like 10 through 6, each of ours, go to an ad break, and then give you our 5 through 1. Just so just going right down the list from bottom to top. And hopefully give you some interesting points about the movies, why we like them. Some of them we've already talked about a little on the show. So if we've talked about it already, we'll try to give you some new perspectives that we haven't said. I think we should just jump right into it. Do you want to give us your number 10, Kayla? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, my number 10 is a cheat because it's two movies. Um, wow. so it's actually my 10 and 11. Uh, we're already, we're already going to exceptions here. But you know what? It's our podcast. We can do it. It's we our want. lists. They're by the same director. Uh, so I felt like it counted who is Don Bluff. Uh, the director of like Secret of Nim and American Tale. And also these two movies, which are Anastasia <laughs> And the land before time, wildly different films. Truly, um, truly. Yeah, Anastasia. I I watched a little more when I was older, and Land Before Time was more when I was younger. Yeah, for Anastasia, the music is awesome. It's a musical, and the singing is so fun, and the songs are all really memorable. And I mm. had kind of forgotten that I knew all the lyrics and like listened to the soundtrack all the time. So when I rewatched it last week, it was like, have you heard there's a rumor inside Peter's work? Like, I was, like, going in on it. <laughs> nice. Um, but it's also one of those movies that's set in, like, wintertime. So mm. there's there's some nice snow scenes, some good yeah. snow falling. We've got some fun We love characters. animated snow. We've got the really scary bad guy. Uh, in yep. this one, I would argue that he's one of the scarier 2D animated villains. I mean, um, he takes his own eye out, so that's pretty yeah, scary Yeah, because his, his jaw's falling everywhere because he's basically right. dead. 
Yeah, he gave me nightmares when I was a kid. I never yeah, actually finished scary. this movie ever because I always just was too scared to watch it. You should so. give it a watch now. I should. I should. It's on HBO Max. Plug, but not really for so, us. So, The yeah. Land Before Time is a movie about dinosaurs. Um, I hadn't seen this in 10 plus years, I would guess. It's been a really long time. It's been a long time. I was surprised, again, at how much I remembered of the movie. Was more surprised that I didn't remember the scary parts as much as I remember the, like, tender, soft moments of right. uh, yeah. Littlefoot's mom dying. Spoiler, but in every kid's movie, you've got to have a parent that dies. Yeah, he just handles kind of darker themes very well, I think, in both movies. Hmm. Um, he, and danger. He doesn't make it too scary, but in a way, always cast this kind of hope on it as well. And right. there were a lot of good themes in it. We we had the three horns never play with long necks uh, line when he tried to play with uh, the, like, triceratops. The parents were like, no, you can't play with Sarah. She's a three horn. When Littlefoot asked why, the mom was like, we all keep to our own kind. We never do anything together. We're different. It's just always been that way. And Littlefoot was like, but why? Wow. Uh, and then, obviously, the kids all came together, and they have to make this journey together because they get separated from their parents. Wow. Mm -hmm. Just so good. Wow. So good. And great paint, great, like, landscape backgrounds, too, in both of them. A lot of great sunsets. A lot of mm. great sunrises. I really like the point that you made about how it's scary, but like not too scary. Cause I feel like a big thing that can make a lot of animated movies falter is they're obviously trying to aim for also kid audiences. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously there are ones that are aimed just for adults, but like a lot of them are trying to aim for both demographics. And I think a lot of people's answer to that is like having really low stakes and I think it's really great when a movie is able to have higher stakes, but also not make the stakes so high that it takes kids like it makes kids more traumatized by it. You yeah, know? You, yeah. There's definitely a balance you want to strike and it's really hard. But I appreciate when films can do that because then they can make it even more engaging for maybe a more uh, an older audience. Yeah. And so, yeah, great, great uh, picks for your number 10. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, what's, right. what's your number 10? Yeah, well, um, this one's a bit of a cheat, too, because it's not, it's, it is just one, but it's not technically like a full-length film. This is a Charlie Brown Christmas, so it's more like a Christmas special, I guess, but I'm putting it at number 10 because this is just one of my favorite pieces of animation ever. Aside from the story, I think just the animation itself is so good and captures the look of, like, the comics so well they did a really good job translating like it looking like a almost like a comic strip that you just are playing mm. through like a camera lens if that makes sense and it was it's like it was the 60s i think early 60s this came out so definitely like a lot of work went into this little short but then from like a story standpoint i think that it's one of the best charlie brown shorts because it makes like charlie brown it's either leans too much into like the existential like because Charlie Brown's obviously a really, like, depressed, like, kid. Yeah. So I think they can lean too much into that, or they lean just not enough into it, and it just turns into, like, a little fun kid story. Right. And I think this one does it pretty well in that 
you still get a lot of like how like a lot of the things he's going through with him not really being able to relate to Christmas or relate to his friends mm. that love Christmas because he's just not feeling in the spirit. And they show that in a lot of ways, but it's like they show it in more humorous ways where like his sister is asking him like to make the Christmas list and it's all just like, all right, so I want um, 10s and 20s. And <laughs> so like he, you get a lot of the reasons why he's depressed in humorous ways, I guess. And so it makes it enjoyable to watch while also feeling like you can relate to his character. And then it's a happy ending where I feel like a lot of Charlie Brown shorts are kind of just like, they don't really end. It's kind of like just ends with him and Linus at the wall. And this one actually doesn't end with him at the wall. It's like them singing, um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing yeah. Around the Christmas Tree. It's and it's really sweet. cute. It's really sweet. And they're actually nice to Charlie Brown at the end. So it makes it a little more heartwarming at the end. So I love this one. It's always going to be like a Christmas staple for me. I feel like it's a Christmas staple for a lot of people. And it doesn't get talked about as much as it is popular. Because I I know a lot of people, especially in like religious backgrounds, that watch this every year. But Mm. I think overall, it's generally watched. And everyone knows about like... The little Charlie Brown Christmas tree with the, <laughs> you know, yeah, iconic. two branches, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan. Great, great yeah. little little short. Animated. It is it is really great. And like I said, just the animation is just gorgeous. Some of my favorite, especially just the opening scene where they're skating. That's such great and physical comedy. we love comedy. a good winter. Again, another great, another great like snowy scenery snow winter. Snow falling. That's right. a why, especially in hand drawn animation, so cute. Right, it's really pretty. Um, all right, so that's my number ten. What? So let's go to our number nines now. So Kayla, yeah. So you, my uh, number nine is Peter Pan. This is a pretty old one, uh, but probably one of the most influential films of my childhood and one hmm. of the most influential individual like animated characters or even like regular characters, characters I guess. Yeah. Um, Cause even just in the like, I guess live action Peter Pans as well. And there are so right. many renditions of Peter so Pan. So many Peter Pans. Yeah. Just keeps getting remade, which goes to prove that uh, it definitely has something special to the story. And I think that's as well for the book. It's not, it hasn't aged super well, which- (laughs) There's a couple scenes. I am willing to recognize and say that I understand now that it hasn't, you know, there's some cultural depictions that are not uh, done as well as they should have been. But I think the way that they capture just this sort of whimsical idea of staying a kid, uh, it's Mm. very hard sometimes to grow up as an adult and be like, man, I can't just, like, run around outside and ride my bike and eat apple slices all day anymore. As Well, maybe during uh, quarantine you can. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think everyone kind of can relate to losing your childhood or feeling like you've lost your childhood. So mm. I think as you grow older, watching it is kind of a reminder that parts of you can stay as a child and i think that's something that like wendy learns uh in the film and maybe peter hasn't learned it quite yet uh but the idea of of containing the childlike uh wonder and the soundtrack is great i Mm. mean i think the music is good i have it on vinyl 
I listened to it. I, I had walked into our, like, local vinyl store, and they had it in, like, the new section. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Peter Pan. <laughs> so I had to get it, listen to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, had all the other memorabilia, action figures, costumes <laughs> of Tinkerbell and Peter and ran around my house in my Peter Pan costume growing up. Which obviously does not fit me now, so I can't do it now, but... Right. Yeah. I think Peter Pan, yeah, you're right. He's just such a great character, and I think the best part about this one in particular is that even though it seems like Peter Pan is, like, a great character to make a movie about, like, and have him go through learning, like, learning like he he needs to grow up and stuff, I feel like his character is best when he serves as more of, like a metaphorical figure and more of like uh like it's i think it's better when they focus on like characters like wendy and how it's her learning about herself through the eyes of peter pan rather than having peter pan be like the main character that has like the arc of learning as much as i like movies like hook just because robin williams is just great Yeah, yeah i think that this one does a really good job of keeping like peter pan's persona and well and even with like the characters of the lost boys as well is just the processing of like they are orphans and that's why they're kind of following peter so their story as well right yeah great movie so my number nine another disney movie disney movie so just like peter pan this is tarzan this one's a lot older 1999 i believe it came out and this was in the period of disney movies where They were kind of in the middle of transitioning to more computer-generated animation, obviously, because it was 99. But I really like the way that this movie is animated because it keeps a lot of the personality and style that the 2D animated films have while still using the strengths that the computer-generated animation can offer through Mm, all like the action sequences and... Just how fluid they make it look with him, um, like, sliding on all the vines in the trees. Even if it's not logically possible. Like, how do these vines... How can these vines just swing magically through the forest? I mean, Disney obviously parodied themselves, like, a few years later with George of the Jungle. Like, they definitely are aware of of the joke. But I just think this is a great movie to watch. A great soundtrack. It slaps... Every it song, does. every song is just a banger, and it's really heartwarming. I mean, it's really about the story of like motherhood. I feel like, and yeah, um, like uh, almost even though he is older, it's almost like a coming of age story because it's like him coming to terms with his own identity as like he's a human, but he was raised as like an ape or an, like with the apes, like a gorilla. And so it's kind of about him coming to terms with learning about all these different things and figuring out who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. Definitely a little bit sexist. Uh, there's some there's some definite interesting, like especially just the fact that like she le- Jane leaves behind like her whole world to live in the forest or the jungle. With I mean it's just it's definitely I mean it's I mean just a why not weird. though why not you know maybe I guess, she's looking I guess. for an adventure I don't know but no she is you're looking right. for an you're adventure right. it is yeah there's definitely some I mean her character is definitely a bit flat but I just love the I think it's just one of the most fun 
movies to watch. I always have just such a fun time it watching it. It is fun. It. It's been a long and, time since I've seen it, though, so I don't have right. any Yeah, it's just also very quotable. I think there's a lot of really funny scenes and lines you can I just love the animals. One. That was always kind of what I was more into when I was a kid was the animals. Right, you got the camaraderie, camaraderie with um with the little the elephant and his friend uh, I forgot the name but Tur- Rosie O'Donnell's Turk. character who Turk. has some great scenes with the, especially like the the music scene where they're making the music with all yeah. the tents and the stuff that's a great a great little scene and yeah it's just really fun to watch and again soundtrack a freaking plus <laughs> <laughs> my number 8 is Pixar's up you have to say Pixar's because if you just say up, it just sounds like you aren't saying the full title. Yeah, you know, you got to include Pixar's in there. Yeah, I think this movie's so funny. Uh, like you said about Tarzan, it's also very quotable. There's so mm. many good lines that I know growing up we used all the time. Oh, uh, yeah. Jokingly, obviously the squirrel one was the biggest. <laughs> uh, but, you know, other Doug lines like... I was hiding under your porch because I love you. And it's like, <laughs> uh, no, it's really funny. Uh, Russell's funny. Uh, hmm. Carl's funny. Russell's great. I love the scene where the old men are fighting uh, Charles Muntz and Carl, and they kind of both bend backwards and their backs both crack. And it's just, like, it's very clever little jokes that are thrown in that Mm. only take up, like, three or four seconds, but really add a lot, I think, to the story. And Doug's line where he says gray one to Russell and Carl saying that the cars are red and blue when they're doing this sweet little relationship thing. Because he's colorblind because he's a dog. (laughs) Um, The score is also really good. Oh, yeah. The main song, of course, everyone knows. Everyone uses it on TikTok. The Married Life uh, Yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten a little bit Which is good. Status. I mean, it's very well known. Uh, oh, but yeah. But I think it's... The, one thing that's very clear in Pixar movies is how cohesive the composers make the score. Yeah, I just love that Carl is like this mean grouchy old man and he's grouchy because he lost the love of his life and then he finds russell and he's like very curmudgeonly at first and then Mm -hmm. russell like warms his heart and he realizes that uh life is better shared with others and being an example for this great little kid who right. is also hurting and, and missing his father in the same way that Carl's missing Ellie. And it's mm. just so sweet. You I know, cry this at would, the end all the time. This would be a great double feature with Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, yeah, it would. Wow. It would Very be really similar. good. Very similar. They both run through the woods. Yeah. You got a grumpy old man who lost his wife and a kid who doesn't have a good parent or doesn't have parents. No good place in the world. Yeah. There's a dog. There is a there is a dog. Wow. Wow. This would be what? Wow. I think we just made a connection right there. We did. We sure did. We sure did. All right. Up. Great. It's not on my list, but it does. It's definitely one of my favorite animated movies. Like I don't love every aspect of it, but I as a whole i definitely enjoy it a lot and 
the married life theme was one of the first songs I learned how to play on piano when I was like 10 or 11. I don't remember how old I was, but just definitely just a pretty impactful movie for me as well. Great one. All right. Speaking of impactful movies, uh, my number eight is the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, and this is your number, your number seven. So, yeah, so we, we can, can both, both talk about yeah, this one. Yeah, we can both talk about it. There's so many ver- like versions and movies of Winnie the Pooh, especially Disney ones. Most but of I think which th- are good too. Yeah, yeah, I I enjoy them, but I think this is probably my favorite. Yeah, I mean same. it is my favorite, not probably. Um, <laughs> I think the way that it tells the that it tells the stories is great, and how they use the the storybook uh, trope. But it's actually like a really cool fourth wall breaking trope where it's like the narrators kind of talking to the characters and even yeah. talking about the page numbers, tilting the page. It's just a great uh, a great use of it and adds a lot of humor to the story. I also think that the the voice cast is probably my favorite voices for each of the characters. I think that yeah, they're very they, good. They all sound exactly like what I think they should sound like, in my opinion. Not that other ones do it like are a lot worse. I just think that in this one, it's just everyone just nails it, and they do a great job expressing themselves, and they do they nail like every person like Eeyore's like sad voice, Tigger's like happy, elated, like always like woohoo! Like it's just so it's so fun to watch, and I love how they're all like all these vignettes, and then the last one is just like breaks you down to tears like they're all really happy and fun and then that last one comes and it hits you like a bag of bricks and <laughs> it's just such a great experience because such a, it's like 74 minutes and it's like you're completely engaged and entertained the whole time and you go through every single emotion that is possible in the world <laughs> one of my favorite lines like you said about the narrator is that when the narrator uh, was like, while Pooh's bottom was stuck at the top of page 28, his top was stuck at the bottom of page 30. <laughs> so both ends waited to get thin again, day after day, night after lonely night. It just yeah, is that like, was great. it's so funny in so many ways. It's so mm. wholesome. Pooh's always wholesome. He just wants to eat his honey. He just wants to love his friends. Pooh is the best. He's the best. The other most, like, individual influential character in my life got Mm. so many Pooh things. Still, I'm not ashamed to buy Pooh stuffed animals for myself, for my desk, because they make me happy. Uh, No, it's great. I feel the same way. I think the animation looks really good. I love that uh, they have, like, all the lines still in it where you can tell that they were drawing it and like didn't erase out kind of like the yeah. lines where they were drawing the characters um yeah it just looks really raw it again fills yeah. that storybook type idea yeah it feels like such like a childlike fantasy in like i think you know yeah very and you nice. see like the love and care put behind all of the drawings and it's like wow Yay, this is just amazing. It's, also, Chris, it's so cute. Christopher Robin was my very first um, crush on somebody. Wow. I wow, exclusive information. Yeah. That's great. childhood crush was on Christopher wow. Robin. I feel like not many people could say that, so congratulations. <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> well, That's how funny. about you get, since that was my number seven and your number yeah, eight, why yeah. don't you get into your number seven? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, this is Meet the Robinsons. I think this came out in 2007, 2006, it did. around yeah, then. Yeah, 2007. Yeah. And this is like Tarzan. Another came out in another weird time of Disney movies where I feel like they were just getting into it was like after the big Pixar wave and I think Disney this is when Pixar kind of wasn't attached to Disney and they were trying to create like their own 3D animated quote-unquote like masterpieces I don't know yeah yeah I think they were still trying to find their footing as their like studio yeah and they definitely they're growing pains I mean Bolt I'm as many times as I watched that as a kid I love uh, Bolt Okay, I mean it's fun, but I, I haven't don't know seen if it in a long time. It doesn't really hold up. It doesn't hold up in my opinion. Chicken seen Little, it Chicken Little doesn't hold up that. But Meet the Robinsons, I feel like is one of it's like was just like this oasis in the middle of the desert, <laughs> and it's it was one of my favorite movies as a kid. I everyone I think has like the certain random yeah, movies mine, that they used to rewatch over and over, and this was one of those for me. I mean, like how you were talking about how when you watch Land Before Time, it all came rushing back. I mean, I knew that I knew this movie a lot, but I started rewatching it a few days ago, and I could just was just quoting line after line after line just on like, and I was like, "How do I know this?" It just like came out of me. Yeah, um, right. And this movie, yeah, it's just ingrained, I think, in my memory. I love the characters. I love the message. It whenever I watched it, and whenever when I rewatched it, it just gives you the sense like the future is bright. Especially in a time when it doesn't seem that way. I really appreciate that, like, it's just telling you, you can change the future and the destinies of all of us as a collective. It just seems like a really, like, uplifting time. And you just really care about this this kid. Um, Lewis. Really care about him. Yeah. Lewis. He's just, he's just such a, he's such a nice kid and he just wants to get adopted. And he when he does at the end, spoilers, it's, ah, so good. I definitely, like, went through a phase where I tried to, like, be an inventor because of this movie. Nothing ever happened. <laughs> but, like, I that scene towards the beginning where he's, like, drawing brains on his thing. And, like, yeah. it's like he's obviously knows what he's doing. But I had no idea. But I was like, I'm going to recreate that scene and be just like him. I don't know. This movie just <laughs> one of the best. Always have a soft spot for it. And I love the, the dinosaur. Yeah. Same. And Goob, but I'll let you talk more about Goob when you have to talk about this one. Yeah, yeah, I love Goob. So, my number six movie is Miyazaki's Spirited Away. Wow. Shocker, wow. <laughs> one of my all-time favorite directors, uh, and this movie is one of the reasons why. Uh, this is the second Studio Ghibli film I saw. I saw Ponyo first when it first came out. Uh, and didn't see any more until, like, high school, basically, hmm. and college is when I started getting into them. I've yeah. seen it a few times. I've loved it just as much every single time that I've watched it. Uh, I think it's really creative. I think it's really inventive. There's so many rich colors hmm. that are inviting and warm. Um, it deals with a lot of, like, powerful themes of identity and family, uh, but one thing I really love about this movie and all of Miyazaki's movies is that they sort of revolve around kind of fantasy worlds that he builds and creates and, and shapes and you're like, oh, I would love to 
be a part of that world or have that character in my world. Uh, but instead, he grounds them in, like, friends and the foundation mm. of being around the people that you love. Uh, sometimes that's in familial relationships. Sometimes mm. it's in romantic relationships or just friendships in his movies. Uh, right. But he really applies, like, a deeper meaning underlying of, like, being there for each other and finding your identity and who you are and how the people around you shape that identity. And I think that's really prominent in this film, uh, even in the supporting characters like No Face, who isn't allowed into the baths, uh, but is able to find his place elsewhere. Um, and I think that's, that's like, it's, 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 it's very nice. It is. It's very nice. It's, I, you use the word rich. I think that's a great word just to describe this whole movie. Like there's so many aspects and things going on that like, like you said, if on multiple rewatches, you're still kind of yeah. finding new things to enjoy and look at. I think this would definitely be on my list if I had watched it, especially like if I was like, I wish I had watched a lot of Studio Ghibli films when I was like 10 or 11 because mm, I yeah. think they would have been really impactful for me. Like yeah, just like these Totoro. kind of stories. Yeah, that would I think I think they're just such they do a great job of like showing a child's worldview and showing like the wonder of that, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of them, especially Toro, like is it definitely impactful when you watch them as an adult. Impactful to watch something from a like some from a viewpoint that you used to hold i guess you could say yeah or like from but i think it would have been even more impactful if i was able to watch these or if i had watched these when i was younger because it is almost like you're watching something that like actually feels like it's speaking to you personally yeah and a lot of times when you see stuff like that as a kid you want to kind of escape into that world i think that's right. like also with meet the robinsons as a kid is you're like i want to be a part of that future world and exactly like, like so you cool. see the family at the dinner table and you're like i, I want this to be my life yeah and, and i think spirited away is kind of the same thing um, yes and in his other movies as well especially totoro uh, mm -hmm. where you kind of just you want to experience that world and i think he he does a really good job even though it's animated of making right. it very enticing and welcoming. Yeah. And I think that's a great point too, is that like, especially as we go ahead, a lot of my picks on this list are definitely, they have been, and they will be moving forward. A lot more of ones that like were impactful to me. Cause I probably, yeah. I watched them at a younger age. And so like there, I know for sure there are definitely better technically animated movies than the ones I have on this list. But I think <laughs> yeah. a lot of when I was putting this list together, a lot of what I had to real I what I had to come to terms with was like these are my favorite movies, my favorite animated movies because they had such an impact on me at a young age, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that sometimes it's hard as like when you're trying to be like cool or like try to find like some underrated pick like that's always something you kind of have to go back and forth with and i think with animated movies i just wanted to make it a list that was like this is these are the ones that i like and it's usually just because i watch them at a certain age <laughs> yeah yeah no my list has a lot of the same kind of aspects yeah. to it 
Now your uh, number six. My number six, a uh, movie that we've talked about a lot, but actually I haven't talked about that much, is The Iron Giant, the Brad Bird movie, um, I want to say 98, 99. I think it's 99. It, 99. This is another one, kind of like Tarzan. It reminded me a lot of Tarzan in the animation style and that it's very pseudo 3D, 2D in that it pulls from a lot of 2D styles but it definitely uses 3d and computer generated effects to enhance a lot of the action sequences in a lot of the depth of field especially in this movie iron giant which if you don't know iron giant's about it's like set in the 60s 50s like cold war it's about a giant that goes to a town in maine and which i'm in maine right now so was originally built as like a war machine basically yes and it's kind of I, it's really an anti-war film, in my opinion, but it's for kids, it and is, it's about yeah. how like the gen, like the adults and the law enforcement is seeing this giant machine as like um, a sign of war, and they're seeing it as like a sign of hatred, and they're trying to destroy it. Whereas the main character Hogarth, he's a kid, and he sees it more as like a thing to extend love to and to become friends with yeah. and to use his powers for good like superman um <laughs> and i think that it's really good at doing that especially because i hadn't seen this movie for a bit i would think the last time i saw it i was definitely like maybe 12 13 definitely and i didn't really pick up on a lot of like the anti-war stuff like you yeah, obviously when you're a kid anti, pick up on anti-violence anti-violence yeah you obviously when you're a kid pick up on like oh don't shoot him because he's a good guy but you don't really think about it too deeply in that way but when i was re-watching it um especially the biggest thing that hit me was when hogarth's at school and they're showing like a video of how to stay safe doing during a nuclear bombing but the video they're showing is kind of cartoonish definitely made for like kids like a school setting to be shown in and i thought it just so beautifully showed like the fear of violence and especially in the time the movie was set the fear of nuclear violence and how that can impact the the youth in like the kid like kids where their worldview is definitely more um acceptance and love and then you have the the adults who are more scared and more like driven by fear feeding these messages into the kids even if it's something as simple as like a video they show during school and it sows these seeds of fear in and i think the iron giant the iron giant like the character does is like the big representation of these two opposing views towards um like fear and violence i guess so i think it's just really amazingly done in how it tackles those deeper themes but also like it's just a fun kids movie as well i mean it's like about this nice little giant and he's like <laughs> eating metal and it's just so it's just really fun to watch yeah it's good but also very sad Cool. Well, let's jump into an ad break and we'll be back with our top five picks. Yeah.
with our top five favorite animated films. Yay. All right, well, I'll jump right in to my number five, which is Meet the Robinsons, uh, which you got a little bit of comment on. It was your yep. number seven. Seven. Uh, my number five. So I hate it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this, like you said, you watched it a lot of it as a kid. We watched it a lot when we were sick, uh, mm. because we had it on DVD, uh, and that was when, like, little DVD players were big, or you put it yes. in your little laptop. Uh, yes. so this was, like, the prime sick movie, so I watched it a lot. Yeah, like you said, the characters are super unique. Uh, mm. I think all the family members, it, like, there's so many of them, but they did, like, such a good job of giving them each, like really really unique personalities but showing right. that they can all come together and be happy together um yeah really into that uh i love i love goob he is so i love little goob i love when he's just like walking around <laughs> rolling his eyes at lewis being with like, his juice box with his juice box, you know, and then he takes the coffee from <laughs> the lady who runs the orphanage. Uh, Iconic. When, yeah, so good. Uh, yeah, and then when he's an adult, he obviously, or he's presented as the villain, the bowler hat mm. guy, uh, because Wilbur sees him steal the time machine. Uh, when right. really the the real bad guy is the bowler hat, uh, which kind of was controlling Goob and taking advantage of Goob. But I love that Goob is so wholesome, even as an adult. Like, he's mm. the bad guy, but he's But he has, like, a yeah, unicorn binder. Yeah, he's got the unicorn binder. And I remember as a kid always just being like... Oh, I feel so like sorry for him because you I just know. you just wanted to be happy and he spent his whole life. I mean, it's kind of his fault. It's partly Lewis's fault for kind of being a jerk. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, he he was the one that sort of wallowed in all of this and you just want right. you just want what's best for him. Um and I'm glad that in the right. end he he finds he wants to take the path to find his way finally. And I'm proud right. of Goob. And it's not like it's great that he doesn't give him like a fully like happy closed ending. Yeah. I like that it kind of leaves it open a little bit. Like yeah, it does. it's not like what he's done is like he he knows he can't be like fully forgiven for what he's done, but he's committed to change and he's committed to live the rest of his life. To, to the best of his ability and it's just so it's such a great movie yeah and i love the frogs and i love the dinosaur yeah. and i love the lines where they're both like master i don't think that you've thought this through my arms are so <laughs> tiny and my head is I have so a big, big head and little arms <laughs> <laughs> so good great no this stuff. movie is so good now we go to my number five which starts the the array of Pixar movies. I'm sorry, but like I said, a lot of these movies are ones that I watched as a kid, and those yeah, are the ones I watched. Yeah, it's fine. Most. No shame. No shame. So my number five is Toy Story two. I think. I mean, I go back and forth. Two and one, Toy Story two and Toy Story one are pretty equal for me. I think it's a great example of a sequel that can build, that builds on the first in every way. Like it raises the stakes of the first. It 
expands the thoughts and the themes of the characters like and it builds upon what the first one had whereas i think in the third and especially the fourth toy story it just kind of repeats a lot of those themes Mm -hmm. whereas i think in the second it's able to take the what happened in the first and build on it yeah i think that this is one of the most fun pixar movies and one of the most underrated like how can you watch that opening sequence like the video game sequence and not just love it you know it's so fun and it's i think one of the like it's you can just see the animators and the like the screenwriters just having such a fun time yeah i love the new characters it adds i think even though jesse is a little bit annoying sometimes i think she's a good addition to the group yeah i never I liked like, her as a kid yeah she's because she was a lot not, she's a lot she's very overbearing but i like her she's now, a lot now that i but i think that her. yeah and i think that in the second she is the best out of the three movies she's in because i think that she's her character is used the best and her character in the third and fourth don't really do any she doesn't really do anything but in the second one she's an integral part of the story you watch the first one and it's like a classic it's iconic and then you watch the second one and it's like watching all of these characters you love in just this this really awesome like rescue mission space mission story it's so and it's crazy like they take stuff from star wars they go into like a toy store and like meet like all these the Barbies. Barbies. And I love that scene. Every scene is just so creative. And I think that that's why I love this one the most is because you're just watching it and it's like just a blend and just a plethora of creativity. And it's just so, I just love watching people be creative and have fun. My number five, Toy Story 2. Cool. Well, my number four is how to train your dragon one one yep the first one <laughs> they go downhill from the first one uh they do would not recommend number three number two's all right uh but yeah. the first but one, if you watch the first and second i mean you might as well just stick it out for the third yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> no yeah so the first time i saw this was in theaters um wow. and there was like a big build up to this you know everyone right. wanted to see it it was a big event um and everyone kind of saw this as a turning point for animation i would say uh mm. because it had these really vast landscapes and scopes mm. and some really crazy kind of camera movement shots where hiccups flying on toothless through the clouds and across the water uh just just really cool camera movement uh there's like the scene where he flips in the like through the clouds while he's on them and it goes from like it rotates one landscape to the other with the sky and then you've got the northern Mm -hmm. lights when he flies with astrid so really good it's funny because I watched it this past week, and obviously with how far animation has come in the past 10 years since this movie came out, um, you can see how it, there's a lot of like flaws on how it would be different. Even with a third one now, the third one obviously has much yeah. better animation. For all the flaws, the animation um, is just great in the third. But, but it still holds up, and yeah. it, it's cool looking at it, and the same with like Toy Story. 
Um, mm. You know, you look back on those and you're like, oh, this animation is like really rough around the edges. Yeah, but you know, at yeah. the time, these were both movies that were like really big in animation. I think the character models are the biggest deal in like those earlier ones and like how they, that's what dates them the most, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but a shame that it put DreamWorks on the map as a big contender to Pixar, and then after that, it kind of... I think How to Train Your Dragon is honestly, like, the better Big Hero 6, so there's mm, a hot take yeah, okay. for you. <laughs> I just think... I don't know. I think that... Yeah, they, they have tack- similar structures. Yeah, similar structures, similar themes, and I think How to Train Your Dragon is just more creative in how, like... I mean, who doesn't want to see a bunch of dragons flying around and fighting yeah it's very cool and it's a great idea always love the theme where like you've got the underdog and then you've got the kind of like species or group that's like Mm. outcast and looked against and everyone thinks they're terrible but then the one underdog's like no they're actually good and then like has to prove that they're you know better than and the only reason that they're like acting out is because they're kind of defending themselves because the vikings right. are trying to kill them off yep it's a great theme for a kids movie honestly Love very it. deep really good very good really good that was your number four so my number four is the incredibles uh, this is the first movie that i remember buying in a store i mean my mom bought it i was like four or five but I remember vividly it was at a Toys R Us, so R.I.P. And <laughs> it was on like the top shelf of the movie case. It was like on the, you know, like where they keep the movies. And I remember it feeling really tall, like so far away when I was a kid. I probably wasn't. I was just really short because I was, again, four. But yeah, I saw it. I was so excited because I loved it when I first watched it and we bought it. And I just watched it. Every- I think we still have that same copy. And I watched it just so much as a kid. Just one of the most, like, epic animated movies, in my opinion. And I think it's crazy that we have, like, 23 Marvel movies now. And this is still in my top three superhero movies. Like, it's not even close. And it's an animated movie, which is which is crazy. I think the animation is placed to its benefits because it can make things look a lot more comic booky without making them look like obviously altered in the mm-hmm. edit you know mm-hmm. yeah and so i just think that this is a great blend of story and action and suspense and character because the story is really um gripping and even as an adult like there's so many different things you can pick up on i think that's one thing that brad bird does really well in his movies except for incredibles too and like the like they have a lot of adult themes the stories are pretty dark and deep but they're still really fun to watch so i think that's why kids can enjoy them but this movie has a lot to say about oppression and like midlife crises and suburbia and just i don't know it's just so fun to watch and the animation style is great too i love like the 50s-esque futuristic look it has i think it's really fun and the way that he can like they play with colors and how when the pars are living like in the suburban neighborhood and not really being superheroes that's really dull and white and gray and then as 
they start superheroing again, I guess you could say. They call it, it gets a lot more vibrant and fun and kind of matches more of the sequence in the beginning when they show Mr. Incredible and Mrs. Incredible fighting like when superheroes were actually allowed to do that. Yeah, this is just a great one, one that I'll probably be watching forever and I think that can will always entertain me. And again, very quotable, lots of great great quotes, great characters in this movie. Is there a more iconic Pixar scene than the Frozone scene with his wife? <laughs> Where is my super suit? Like, I don't know if there's a more iconic scene than that one. No, everyone knows it. Everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. Everyone can, like, visualize the scene. And quote and it also, exactly how they quote it. Exactly. The exact way. And... I don't know if anyone has ever talked about this, but the best one-shot sequence ever made. There we go. That's what it is. He's just going, going to the fridge, going to see a suit. It's all one shot. Good job. <laughs> Great. Um, cool. So top three. Right. Uh, my top number three. three is technically a mini series, but it all goes together. So it's basically yeah, a it's feature a film. Um, and that is Cartoon Network's Over the Garden Wall. This is Cartoon Network? It is. Wow. Uh, Elijah Wood is the main voice of Love Elijah Wood. And he's so cool. Yeah, I originally watched this because of Spirited Away. I had a Spirited Away screensaver on my computer at work. And one of my coworkers was like, oh, you like Spirited Away. Have you seen Over the Garden Wall? And I was like... No, I haven't. And then I watched it and I was like, wow, my life is changed. Well, obviously, you put it above Spirit Away. Yeah, wow. no, it's so good. It's because it's just like, it's it's more my style. Mm. Like, it's more my style of humor, my style of music. Like, mm. the characters are very relatable. Um, the older brother is like super insecure, has social anxiety, is like, yeah. (laughs) Um, and then his little brother, Greg, is super funny, runs around with this frog that he loves. And the frog is a great character. And there's this great bird and you've got the beast and each different sequence, there's like 11 or 12 parts And each part is, like, 10 to 11 minutes. And it's, like, a different location conflict each time. So Mm. it allows for a lot of creativity across the whole, like, landscape of the story. Where they can battle these different things. Like, one's a town where they think that they're going to be buried alive. But they're actually, like, digging up these skeletons. that So the people can dance with their skeleton buddies with their pumpkin heads on. So fun. (laughs) Love Halloween. Yeah, the animation is also just super beautiful. Uh, the way it is in the woods. It's 2D mm. animation. Got some good songs about potatoes and molasses. Got yeah. some good themes. Brotherly love. We've got other family stuff. Beatrice is a bird that was a human that's trapped as a bird and is trying to save her family that are also humans mm. that are trapped as birds. So <laughs> it's cool. just, it's really For- fun. I've never, this is one I really can't comment on because it's like the only one I haven't watched on your list. But one thing I'm, so is it like a 
vignettes or is it a continuing story like just for me and for our audience yes it's a continuing story so it takes place on halloween night basically um kind of goes a couple more nights because they're like sleeping but they're lost in the woods uh they're trying to get home and each one is a different progression of them journeying through the woods So they go through like a town, they come across a school where a lady's oh. teaching animals how to talk and read. Uh, you know, there's each different, and, and the right. same characters, there's a few characters, supporting characters that show up throughout. Hmm. We have a woodsman, of course, Wirt and Greg, and then Beatrice, uh, the bird, and right. then the frog. So That's a fun way to tell a story, though, because you get the continuing narrative, it sounds like, but also yeah. you get a lot of individual moments of creativity where they can kind of do something else that they want to do. Yeah, it's really fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely planning on checking this one out around Halloween because I'm always looking for a good Halloween watch that I haven't seen before. So uh, that's your number three. So we're on our top three now, as we said. My number three is Inside Out, the 2015 pete doctor movie this is our second pete doctor movie that we've had that we Soon talked about on this to episode be three and so i saw this movie in theaters right in the middle of adolescence so because i was 15 um and i feel like just some movies just you watch at like kind of i've been saying throughout this episode some movies you just watch at the right time yeah. and a lot of in this movie it was able to like really articulate all the feelings i was having at that age even if like i couldn't really understand it at the time you know when i walked out of the theater it was more like all this emotion i was pretty overwhelmed but i couldn't really describe why as i've gotten older i've been able to kind of see obviously why more it has impacted me but i think that yeah it just was one of the more important movies that i've seen in just the terms of the themes it tackles because obviously i feel like most people know what this movie is but this is a movie about like the emotions and voices inside your head and how those change as you get older because you're mostly following this one the main character riley who's um 11 and so obviously again for her a pretty important moment in her life and so it kind of just goes through the feelings and the changes she goes through it was able to just really speak to me in a lot of different ways just able to say a lot of the things that maybe i was thinking at the time but couldn't really put into words so yeah a really important movie for me and also it's just really fun and creative like there's so many creative sequences in this movie that kind of like in toy story 2 are just really awesome to see people just going for it and just putting out the most wacky ideas but they definitely they they work because it's all takes place inside this girl's like subconscious so it's a lot of they get to play with a lot of funny ideas It's really creative and entertaining for all audiences, but there's a lot of emotion that you can take from it as well. Yeah, good talk. I also love the movie. It wasn't as impactful for me Mm -hmm. as I think it was for you, uh, but I still love it. I think it still tackles a lot of things in a very uh, simple but like deep way. Yes, Um, that's a great way to put it. So my number two also pete doctor (laughs) there we go there's the third one (laughs) uh pixar's monsters inc 
I've talked about this movie so many times. This one of my number one, uh, which you'll hear. And so I'm going to add a couple things maybe that I haven't said yet. I don't know. Pete Doctor is so good at handling the growth of characters. Uh, you just reference it in Riley kind of growing up as well mm -hmm. and the changes that she has. Uh, but he does it with Carl Fredrickson where he transforms from this a uh, curmudgeonly old man into this heartfelt, changed by a kid, wants to be there for him, shows up at his badge ceremony. Oh, and then, I'm just going to start crying. If oh, just I know. It. Man, it's so And good. then in Monsters, Inc., we have Sully, who is also a very, he's very popular. Um, <laughs> he's very loud. He's selfish in a lot of ways because he's popular. Yeah. But he has this soft side that you start to see when he meets Boo. And he just really transforms over the course of the movie to be this guy that makes you cry at the end. Yeah. Because yeah. you're like, oh, man, you don't want him to leave the kid. And it, it parallels with uh, Carl's story so well oh, in yeah. Up. Uh, and I think we'll see a lot of the same themes in Soul as well. Mm. Just side note, we would have seen Soul by now. That would have been the plan, uh, which makes me really don't sad. Don't remind me. But continue. <laughs> yeah, no, I just love, and that's not even like addressing the other characters, uh, yeah. like Mike Wazowski, who mm. just is like the best, best friend you could ever have. Like he's so loyal to Sully. So supportive. And so supportive. So fun. I want to kind of live with them. They have seem to have a chill apartment, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like fun. it'd be really fun yeah. to vibe. And Mike's all about, they're all about climate change, so. Yeah, they're really, they're really progressive. We're here for it. A, we love to see it. Love, love yeah. Pete Doctor. I think this is a great movie. Another, like, character development thing that I think is really good in this one is at the end as well with Mike. And how throughout the movie, he's definitely more averse to Boo. Not, like, as yeah, a person, yeah. just because, like, humans in the monster world And he's also very, thing. like, rule-following, so... Yes, yes. And so, I think it's a great moment at the end is when he's the one that actually puts the door together for Sully because he just knows how much it means to him. And I think that's another, like, really little character thing that Pete Doctor is so good at in adding in those little moments of character and development throughout the story that really just get you at the heart every time. It's just so emotional. I really do. This yeah. movie's really just restore my faith in humanity. That's yeah. really the that's really what it comes down to. So speaking of movies that don't really restore my faith in humanity as much, we have uh Fantastic Mr. Fox at my number two. Woo! Um Roald Dahl was my favorite author when I was a kid, easily. I watch not watch, I read all all his books multiple times, especially I think Fantastic Mr. Vox is one of the ones I read a lot because uh, it's pretty short. Like it's a really, it's a pretty short book. He, Roald Dahl had a lot of like shorter books as well as maybe a little, some longer ones. So the shorter ones I definitely just read over and over. And this came out in 2009. So right around the time when I was reading all those books, and so I was really excited for this movie. We watched it and I didn't like it that much. I mean, I enjoyed certain certain aspects of it. It's definitely it definitely wasn't as much what I expected. If you have read the book, it's basically I mean, like I said, the book is really short, so 
I don't know. It's not like they could have made it like the book as much, but it definitely takes the structure of what the story was and adds on it in its own way, which now like I like that a lot more than direct adaptions. But when you're like nine, it just feels like it's not what you're expecting, I guess. But then for some reason, I guess my mom didn't know I didn't like it that much. So she bought me the DVD and I was like, oh, okay. But because we had it, I just watched it and watched it. Like it was just one of those, again, that we had on rotation a lot. And as I watched it more and got older, I feel like it definitely became one of the movies that got me into film, you know? Yeah. And one of the movies that like it has, obviously it's Wes Anderson. And so it it feels a lot different than other movies that maybe Mm. I was watching at the time. Just the way the characters talked and the way that the script was written and the story was written. It just, it was just one of those movies that just, it felt like a completely different movie. And so I think it was able to maybe make me branch out a little bit more in terms of what I was watching and what kind of stories I was thinking about because it is like a kid's movie in that it's pretty whimsical, but it's also filled with like a lot of violence and hatred. And the comedy is really just like deadpan with like a lot of pessimism involved in it. Uh, The whole movie is kind of just back and forth between like the wonder and the reality and that's kind of brought to fruition in the final scene where none of the characters really get a hap- happily ever after. They're still all living underground and they're in fear of the world above. And it's a bittersweet ending to a bittersweet movie. And it's like the whole message is, is it's just about like the complexity of life, but the moments of joy we can find within it, I think. And that's just, that's a pretty, it's a pretty deep and like complicated movie to be watching as a kid. But I think, for the, in that way, it was one of the most important movies that I could have watched because it was able to introduce me to other aspects of storytelling that I wasn't really being exposed to. And now I love it. I mean, it's a great, great movie and great voice cast too. George Clooney, I think, doesn't get enough credit for just how uh, good of a voice actor he is. I'd like to see him in more in more roles. That one was in my like honorable mentions yeah yeah like it was very close to my list but didn't yeah make it. for sure i feel like it's definitely up there for a lot of people's animated yeah stuff. It's, it's great pretty... well all right we're down to our, our number, number ones. ones no surprise my number one is the iron giant uh which no one also touched on so i'll try to talk about some of the same things that he talked about but a little different and that is cool. the anti-war elements of the film Mm -hmm. yeah one thing that's crazy to me about this film is how accurately they sort of represent this character the antagonist of this white dude who has anger problems and acts impulsively based on his anger problems and his own moral system instead of the system that he supposedly supports uh with the military (laughs) or says that he supports or works for um right i don't know who that reminds me of uh but (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just love uh that they depict him so well in the sense that he acts very irrationally uh towards the end because of what he believes and when he calls in 
the nuke to be fired. Which is crazy. I didn't realize, like, I forgot when I watched it that he was the one that actually did that. Yeah, because he took, he wanted the captain or the general to, like, call it in, and the general wasn't because he obviously is a good general. Uh, he and was. He was trying to like him. figure out what needed to be done to for yeah. like the safety of the people. And this guy, because he had this built up anger, because he was trash like tracking this thing, and decided. Well, he he's was obviously take very control. like he's not really respected. I feel like in his position. So no. I feel like yeah. So he acts out of too. insecurity and anger, and very brashly calls this in, and then the general's like. You idiot! Yeah, like, and he hurts it's people. It's coming right at us. You're gonna blow up all these people, and so it's like, at what cost does this kind of person, like, he's willing to sacrifice whoever to be right, and then mm-hmm. obviously he runs away because he's like, oh, I messed up. I'm gonna run away from the problem now. Yeah. 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 Again, a lot of don't, male pride don't, stuff in this. Don't know who that reminds me of. Um, but I think it goes to prove in a kind of more subtle way in the way that Brad Bird works in this film, uh, just how the mistakes of one person or many people that are similar to that one person can affect other characters and also affect the storyline, uh, because, because of that one person, you know, the Iron Giant sacrificed himself, spoiler, uh, to save the town. And I think it proves that no matter how many bad people there are who act in aggressive and prideful and arrogant ways uh, at the cost of other people, there's always going to be people mm-hmm. who stand up for what's right and are willing right. to make the sacrifices for the betterment of others. Yeah, it's really it's a really good story. I love it. And it's very bold. Like, I don't mm. know if something like this could be made now. Yeah, 21 years ago. It's a long time. I would w- recommend this one to literally, like, anyone. It's on HBO Max right now. So, All right, so let's go to my number one, and then we'll kind of give a recap li- of both of our lists. So my number one, again, probably to the surprise of no one, is Toy Story, the original one from 1995 it's crazy that this was 20 this is 25 years old it's a quarter of a century old obviously from a historical standpoint this movie changed animation uh, like mainstream animation and the way that like i think the western western audiences viewed animated films it has an all-star voice cast um so good one of the best scripts ever i think the structure is amazing it's, um, I think, a meme at this point to say, like, oh, this should be studied in film school. But I think this is honestly one of, like, a, like a great script to use as a example of three-act structure and character development, especially in how it, it, it's all done in 81 minutes, which is insane, especially today where, like, we have Avengers Endgame that's three-plus hours. Like, I think it's really important to watch movies like this and see that you can also deliver really complex meaningful deep stories in fun stories in a short amount of time it obviously delivered some of the most iconic scenes and characters in cinema history people still quote them to get today like you are a sad strange little man what a great line 
to me, this movie is really why I love animation and why I love that animation exists because it shows us stories and tells stories in a that we couldn't have any other way. Like, no one wants to see a live-action Toy Story. With all the live-action remakes going around, like, Could you this is never, this is never one that anyone brings up. It would be... be so bad. Do not let any John Favreau see this movie. I yeah, think who that... knows what kind of sunsets he'll put in it. Or sunrises. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be like, that was a real toy I shot in this scene. No, um, I think with the animation... It's able to give the audience just the exact like perspective and view, like the point of view of the toys. And it is able to create such a sense of childlike wonder and joy and like transports you into this fantasy. Who hasn't, when they were a kid, like believed that their toys were alive? And so when watching this movie, you're able, I feel like I'm able to sit back right into that mindset and be a kid again. And I'll be, I'm able to laugh, cry, forget about the world around me. And not many movies can do that for me. I think Toy Story is one of the few. I think it's just able in my mind to transcend to like a place of just like one of just like something that's always been there for me, I guess. Another thing that we've been talking about is like worlds that you can escape into. And I think this definitely was one of them for me. And I'll always love Woody and Buzz, especially in the first two and three, but not four. Okay, that's it. That's Toy Story. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right, that's our top 10 animated movies. Do you want to go through your list really quick and I'll go through mine just as a wrap up? Yeah, sure. So my number 10 slash 11 tied at 10 is The Lamb Before Time and Anastasia. Number nine is Peter Pan. Number eight is Up. Number seven is The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Number six is Spirited Away. Number five is Meet the Robinsons. Number four is How to Train Your Dragon. Number three is Over the Garden Wall. Number two is Pixar's Monsters, Inc. And number one is The Iron Giant. All right, so that's your list. Mine at number 10, I have A Charlie Brown Christmas. At number nine, I have Tarzan. At number eight, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Number seven, Meet the Robinsons. Number six, The Iron Giant. Number five, Toy Story 2. Number four, The Incredibles. Number three, Inside Out. Number two, Fantastic Mr. Fox. And number one, Toy Story. That's our lists. And we are going to both make these lists public on our letterbox. So yep, you, like can you can follow them. them keep up with any changes if we make any tweaks. If we see any more movies, think about it a little more. But like, for now, I feel so, pretty good with this list. So they feel, make our list. I don't know. I forgot how much I love animation. Like When I was re-watching all these, I was like, I should really, I should really start watching more. Yeah. I don't watch nearly enough, I think. Follow us on social media, on Twitter, yes. at Secondhand Film, on Instagram and Facebook, at Secondhand Film Pod. You can listen on all platforms. Obviously, you know that since you're listening right now. On this platform. And <laughs> our next episode will be a new Ooh. series that we are launching uh, that so we exciting. will do every once in a while called Triple yeah. Feature where we will have an awesome and interesting and fun guest on to talk about their three favorite movies. So Mm -hmm. tune in next week for a super fun guest who may be sort of related to me. And it's going to be so, so cool. 
Yeah, like, I'm really excited. I was trying excited. to think of an adjective. No, like... yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to start this series because I think one of the reasons we started the podcast was to give new perspectives on movies that maybe yeah. you weren't hearing. And I think this is a great way to do that, to have people on, share their opinions, share their top three favorite movies. And everyone loves listening to people talk about things they love. And I think that is all this series will be about, is just people talking about the movies they love. So good. Until, until next time. Next time. Uh, oh. Uh, oh, sorry. You go. You no, go. No, that's okay. You can go. <laughs> until, no, okay. until next time, I'm Kayla. <laughs> and I'm Noah. And, and we're your, your second-hand, second-hand film critics. Film critics.